College Student Success Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping college students with mental health issues set and achieve goals for themselves to get them where they want to be. I am your host, Derek Malinsack, and this is episode 42 of the podcast. Welcome, guys. Hope you are all having a fantastic week so far. It is getting down to the end of the semester, and I um, have an interview for you today. And uh, I'm going to do things uh, slightly different today. Uh, I'm really going to let the interview stand on its own today. I'm not going to do a quick tip. I'm not going to go over anything from Reddit today. A couple of reasons for that. One, I just really was impressed with this interview, and I really just kind of want it to speak for itself, so I'm not going to say much about it. Uh, I interview a college student, a former college student with mental health issues that works in my department uh, as a research assistant. Uh, very inspiring story, so I encourage you to listen in and see how her story might apply to your own life. So before I get to the interview, though, I just had one thing that I wanted to announce. Uh, so last semester, for those of you that have been listening to me for a little while, I did a contest for the last three or four weeks of the semester, and uh, well, you know, it went all right. Uh, it did not get the... Uh, participation that I had hoped for. And it was a contest trying to get, uh, boost the uh, reviews of my podcast. So one of the ways that I get, I'm able to attract more listeners is if you have more reviews. So the more reviews you get, the better your ranking gets. And, you know, the more visible your podcast becomes. And I think I'm struggling with a little bit of a, a lack of visibility. So I'm looking for ways to improve that. So the first contest I had done last year was really mainly just to get ranked, to have a star rating on the iTunes podcast uh, directory. And I achieved that goal. So I was really happy about that. And, and I uh, actually had given away, I believe it was a $100 Amazon gift card to uh, the winner. So this year, uh, this semester, I'm going to do another contest for reviews, but I'm going to do it a little different. I've been listening to you guys, and I've been paying attention, and I I think that I'm starting to get a better understanding of what is important. So I'm going to do this one a little different. I still need reviews, guys. I need people to tell me what they like about the podcast, what they don't like, and be able to do it in an email to me would be great. You know, I would totally appreciate that. But to be able to do it on the iTunes store where you actually leave a rating and a review would be even better. So here's what I'm going to do. So starting today until the last podcast of the semester, which is, I believe, in another three weeks. So I'm going to be doing episodes 43, 44, 45. Yeah. So at the end, uh, from today until the day I release episode 45, uh, that time period will be the, uh, the contest period. And for every review you leave, I will donate $10 to one of two charities. And I'll get to the charities in a second. So I'm going to cap this just in case it gets a little nutty. Um, I won't say where, but, you know, I, I might if we get enough uh, play here. But basically, if you, um, you know, if you like the podcast, if you think it's been something of value that you think other people would benefit from, uh, it would be, you know, I don't really want any money myself. <laughs> uh, I want to kind of get more listeners so that more people hear and it becomes a more valuable tool. 
So if you leave a review, go on and leave me, I don't know, maybe a five-star review, that would be great. Or even if it's a one-star review, I don't give a shit. Uh, Really what I would like is some feedback. Um, So if it's a one-star review, I don't mind, and I'll still donate, but I kind of would like to know why you think it's a one-star show. Uh, And if it's a five-star show, I'd like to know what you like about it, and anything in between, of course. So for every review... And it's not just a rating I'm going to go by. I really need reviews. So for every review I get between today and the day that episode 45 airs, so the next three-week period, I will donate $10 uh, to one of two charities. And the charities that I've selected are, I will uh, donate the money equally. The first one is called Active Minds, and their, uh, their tagline is Changing the Conversation About Mental Health. Active Minds is the leading nonprofit organization that empowers students to speak openly about mental health in order to educate others and encourage help seeking. We are changing the culture on campuses and in the community by providing information, leadership opportunities, and advocacy training to the next generation. So I think this is a very worthy organization and one that I would like to kind of become more involved with. So half of the, uh, the money raised is going to go to Active Minds, and the other half is going to go to the JED Foundation, that's J-E-D. And there'll be links to both of these sites that uh, these charities work off of in the show notes for today if you're interested in learning more about them, because there are a wealth of opportunities and resources in these sites as well. So the Jed Foundation, over the last 15 years, they've emerged as the leader in protecting emotional health of America's 21 million college students. Our proven model and award-winning programs are changing the way campuses, communities, and families promote mental health and prevent suicide. As the nation's leading organization working to promote emotional and prevent emotional health and prevent suicide among college students, the Jed Foundation is protecting the mental health of students across the country. With your support, they'll continue to lead the way and protect the potential of tomorrow's leaders. So again, another very worthy uh, charitable organization that really speaks to helping people with college, uh, helping college students with mental health issues. So these two. Uh, organizations are near and dear to my heart. And uh, so, once again, if you like the show or even if you think it sucks, go on iTunes um, and leave a review. I suppose I should open this up to Stitcher as well, even though I never go in and check my rating there, but I will. So if you're a Stitcher listener, uh, you can leave a a rating, I'm sorry, leave a review there too. And for every review collected between now and uh, the end of the season of the podcast, I will donate $10 to be split evenly amongst Active Minds and the Jed Foundation. All right. How's that sound, guys? So get out there. Uh, It seems like people are more concerned or have a a more altruistic sense these days than I gave them credit for. And I think people, a lot of people would rather see money given to those less fortunate than themselves than um, enter contests to win anything um, for themselves. Uh, Not everyone. And it's not always like this, but I'm going to try it this way. So with that, I am now going to bring on Katie. Uh, And Katie is, again, uh, a research assistant in the department that I work in. So let's give her a big rousing applause. Okay, we are back here. Uh, I have uh, a guest today that I'm really excited to interview. Her name is Katie, and uh, we are colleagues uh, in a department that I work in. So Katie, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. 
Appreciate it. Appreciate it a lot. So you are the second student that I've had on the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on. I've had some some professionals in the field, and um, you know that's been great, and I really appreciated their contributions. But in the end, I really am excited to hear from students that have you know dealt with mental health issues in the past that are somewhat recently removed students, I guess. Uh, that can offer their perspective. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I guess what I'd like to start out is a little bit of background because actually we're colleagues, but I don't feel like we know each other super well. Um, I certainly don't know your backstory. Uh, we didn't really rehearse, just so the, the audience is aware. Um, but a little <laughs> bit of background on you, uh, you know, how old you are, what, where you're at with college, and um, you know, we'll take it from there if that's cool. Sure. Yeah, um, so I am 28 years old. I graduated uh, in 2014 with my bachelor's degree in psychology. Um, and I started working in the department at Rutgers about a year and a half ago now. Um, so I was hired by Michelle Mullen as a research assistant. So I actually work on several different projects with her, one of them being the uh, executive functioning study that Derek also works on. So I do a lot of work on the HYPE project, which is the Helping Youth on the Path to Employment, the manual that Michelle is working on writing right now. And I help with different parts of the project. Um, some of it's just like really boring data entry on some of the studies and stuff like that, um, searching through the literature. Uh, but I also get to work with participants on the studies that we do. Uh, we've been interviewing um, young adults who have mental health conditions, um, talking to them about their experiences with work and school and kind of how their mental health has affected them uh, in achieving their goals. So that's been really awesome. I've gotten to meet a lot of people through that, helping conduct the interviews and all that sort of thing. I've also worked really closely with uh, what we call our PAC, the um, Participatory Action Council. Um, so the PAC is sort of like a group of young adults who act as sort of consultants on different parts of the project. Um, so I lead monthly meetings um, about various topics related to the HYPE project. But that's been really awesome meeting those people, too. We have a lot of really incredible uh, young adults on that team. Okay, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. So just some, some reference points for the audience. Uh, some of the things that Katie just mentioned have been things we've talked about on a couple of recent podcasts. So we had Stacy on back uh, in episode 39, and she is on the pack. That's correct, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, so she talked about that in her interview. And the project that uh, she was referring to, the HYPE project, is was discussed back in episode 40 when Michelle had come on. So Michelle is Stacy's boss. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm raiding department getting everybody uh, to come on the show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's a really good introduction. It kind of gives a good overview of what you're doing now on the study. And mm -hmm. I, I do have some questions that I'm going to ask you about related to that. But actually, I want to go back in time a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so back to when you were a student. So you're 28 now. Uh, mm -hmm. You got your degree a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. And you, so tell me a little bit about some of the struggles that you've had to overcome. You know, anything uh, you want to share would be helpful. Okay, yeah. Well, I, 
I started college um, right out of high school. I graduated in um, 2006, and I had been actually diagnosed um, with depression and and anxiety during my junior year of high school. Um, So the end of high school for me was pretty um, rough. I had always been a really good student, you know, honor student, straight A's, um, all throughout school pretty much. So I went through a really difficult period um, my last two years of high school, um, struggling with my mental health condition and trying to figure out how to balance uh, my personal life with my school. And I actually ended up being uh, hospitalized at one point, and I had to be taken out of school for a while. So that was pretty rough, but I, the whole time, um, it was still... Um, pretty much just assumed that I was going to go to college because I had always been a really good student. There wasn't really a question about it. It was just, that was what I was going to do. The only choice was which college was I going to go to and what was I going to study. So, um, you know, with all the issues that I had, I think originally it was, it was kind of my mom's push that, um, she wanted me to become a psychologist So that was kind of just what I figured I'd do. I was like, okay, I'll go to school. I'll study psychology. I'll become a psychologist in, you know, eight to ten years or whatever it would take to get my PhD, you know. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a reasonable goal. I'll do that. And um, so I went away to college my first semester I was determined to uh, go to a school where I could live on campus and get away from my uh, my home. Yep. <laughs> um, How many states away did you get? Well, I actually, uh, so I, I grew up in South Jersey, and I ended up going to a school in North Jersey. So it was about two and a half hours away. Oh, plenty. So, of, yeah, plenty of distance. Yeah. Can't commute back and forth with that. <laughs> right, right. Definitely. But it was still in state, so mm-hmm. I got in state tuition. So you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I struggled really badly. You know, I was not prepared at all for um, the level of independence that I was going to have in college. And you know, I thought that I would be okay with it because you know it seemed so cool. Like, oh, I can schedule my own classes. I don't have to get up before noon if I don't want to. I'll take all my classes in the evening and going to be great Mm -hmm. make my own schedule and um that did not pan out so well my first semester I actually uh I got a c a d minus an f (laughs) it was pretty bad um and I guess for somebody that had been used to being a really good student that it must have been especially you know alarming oh yeah yeah so that was pretty rough after my first semester. I think I was put on like academic probation and that was pretty bad. Yeah. But I didn't, I mean, it was tough because I didn't, um, I didn't know what supports were even really available to me besides, um, you know, at orientation or whatever, they kind of show you where like the counseling center is and the office of disability services. Um, and I know I did look into getting counseling and I think I did that but it wasn't very it wasn't super helpful and I looked into getting accommodations because I had had um, accommodations in high school 
because of my depression and the hospitalization and everything, mm-hmm. um, when I was coming back to school, I had gotten some accommodations. Um, but when I went to get them in college, I, um, hit a roadblock because I didn't have, uh, the necessary documentation that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, the documentation I had from high school wasn't good enough. And I had a really hard time getting around that. You know, I, I wasn't, I didn't have a car. I was living on campus by myself, you know, so I, I had no way to go find a doctor who could, you know, get this information for me. And the doctors on campus weren't qualified to do it. So I just kind of gave up on that. And, you know, beyond the counseling, then I didn't really know what was available to me. I didn't even know that I was, I was able to withdraw from a class, which is how I ended up failing English because (laughs) I think I, I had missed so many classes the first few weeks. I just decided to stop going. Yeah. (laughs) And had you known, you know, if it was like a foregone conclusion, you were going to fail. There's Mm -hmm. so many things you could do up to and including getting some of your money back uh, for the course. So, Okay, well, I'm on the edge of my seat now. So what happened next? <laughs> so you bomb out the first semester, and? <laughs> so I, um, you know, I went home over the break, and I was feeling really discouraged, and I, I decided to still go back. You know, I wasn't going to give up that easily. <clears throat> so I did, and I still struggled my second semester. I did a little bit better, but I think my um, my biggest issue, um, was just getting to classes. And I thought about it. I realized, you know, living on campus, it was so easy to just like casually skip a class. Now, after I transferred out of that college, um, I ended up commuting at every other school that I attended. And I realized it works out a lot better for, for me at least if I just schedule all my classes on, you know, the same two or three days a week, because then I have to actually get in the car and drive to class. And, you know, I have to be prepared for the whole day. And once I get to school, then, you know, I'm in classes the entire day. I'm not just going to skip a class because I don't really feel like going. But, you know, when I was living on campus in the dorms, it was just kind of like, I don't really feel like going to this class now. I think I'm going to stay in my room and take a nap because I feel pretty tired. You know, it was really easy to skip classes that way. And uh, I did that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really my, my biggest problem on a day-to-day basis. So it's really cool that you kind of started seeing a little bit of insight into yourself it sounds like as mm-hmm. college went on and you're like all right so i know i can't do it this way so yep. this strategy works for me you know doing the back to back classes and you know be kind of setting up your life to be like all right this day and this day i'll be at cl- at school all day and mm-hmm. i have met other students that do similar things and they they realize that that's good for them too because not only do they get all the work out all the class time out of the way uh, but they can fill up the gaps with, you know, doing uh, homework and whatnot because they're already there. It's like the, right. the temptation, like you said, to just go and take a nap is somewhat lessened because there's no place to nap. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I like that you, you kind of bring that up and, and kind of it took a while, it sounds like, to kind of figure out how to put these things into place because it doesn't sound like you had a lot of resources to you 
at the time. I can certainly relate to some of the struggles you mentioned earlier with, uh, um, you know, not being able to get the accommodations and whatnot. They just don't make mm-hmm. it easy. So, all right. So you, you had, I guess it sounds like you eventually transferred out of that school. What happened at that point? I did. I, um, so the second semester of my third year was when I actually transferred out um, mm-hmm. on the advice of the psychologist that I had been seeing on campus, which was terrible advice. I, it was, um, you know, approaching midterms right before spring break. And, um, I, I just been having a hard time, you know, and I felt like I was on the, on track to pretty much fail all of my classes. You know, in retrospect, I'm sure there's more that could have been done to, uh, alleviate that situation you know I probably could have taken a couple of incompletes finished the work over the summer you know somebody could have worked with some of my professors and talked to them about what was going on but they didn't really offer me any help they just kind of told me you should probably withdraw now before it's too late and you can't get any of your money back yeah so that's what I did I withdrew I packed up all my stuff in my you know apartment I was living in on campus and moved out I never went back to that school so yeah (laughs) all right so you had had what did you say uh, sophomore year or junior year um well technically yeah junior year okay and you left and now you're more than halfway through but kind of stuck because you don't want to go back there (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so I, I ended up you know, I moved back in with my parents, of course, and mm-hmm. I started going to community college and I got a job, but I, I knew it was only temporary until, you know, I could figure out what I was going to do next because I was far enough along that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get my degree from community college. So like I was more, I was more than halfway through, um, to get my bachelor's. Um, yeah, that makes sense, you know, yeah. and you wanted the bachelors, <laughs> right? That, yeah, that, that was, sense. yeah, I had a much higher goal than that originally. So mm-hmm. I wasn't going <laughs> to settle for going to, you know, a two year school. Mm-hmm. So I, I did, I took, uh, classes part-time at the community college, um, just enough so that I could, um, keep my student loan payments and, uh, <laughs> in, de- in deferment. <laughs> Good call. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did that for a while mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. And then I, I, I transferred to another four year school and I, I had a lot of the same kinds of obstacles with accommodations and things like that. Just to really, um, you know, most of the schools that I attended the, it's just a very unfriendly environment for students with mental health conditions which is really terrible if you know how many people actually are struggling with mental health conditions on college campuses. Um, But it's just not really talked about. um, And there's not a whole lot of support out there um, in a very general sense. Um, So it was difficult, you know, even I was a psychology student, Um, you know, that was my major pretty much the entire time. Um, But even, you know, my psychology professors, it was difficult to talk to them about my psychiatric condition. Um, (laughs) So it's pretty terrible when you're in that kind of environment. 
So I ended up taking a break again from school. And a friend of mine was going to graduate school in Ohio. So I decided, you know, it's time for a change of direction. I need a change of scenery. need to get out of New Jersey. Um, so that's what I did. I moved out to Ohio with her. And a few months later, I ended up um, enrolling at a university in Ohio, which was an awesome experience. What was different? Very, uh, well, I want to say because it was smaller, but it wasn't just that it was smaller. Because um, I had, like, I never attended, like, Rutgers or anything. I think the biggest school I went to had, like, around five or 6,000 undergrads. Mm -hmm. So I never went to, like, a really big school or anything. But um, this was, it was, like, a small Catholic university. Just the experience that I had, even from the moment that I went for, um, like I went to to see an admissions counselor before I applied. Yeah. And they were just super helpful. I remember I pulled up to the parking lot and they actually had a space outside the admissions office with my name on it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, went inside. They were really friendly. I had brought like the lists of all the different classes that I had taken at all the different schools that I attended. Um, and they actually, you know, cause I, I hadn't gotten my official transcripts yet, but I brought that in and the admissions counselor actually looked at it with me and she's like, Oh yeah. So they went through the list of, you know, the requirements for a psychology degree and figured out that I could complete it in two years or less. And I was like, wow, okay, that's, that was pretty simple mm -hmm. <laughs> to figure out. Um, Somebody just sat down with you and it was like, wow, you know, it just sounds like so much more than you were used to Yeah. You know, than, the, than the experiences you had had leading up to that. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like such a simple thing, mm -hmm. but you know, the lack of support that I got at every other school, it was just, it was a really big load off my shoulders. Yeah. So you finished out your degree there? Yes, I did. Okay. And would you say that, how would you characterize that portion of your college experience compared to, to the, the, the time leading up to that in terms of, um, in terms of the obstacles and, and sort of using what you learned? Mm. I definitely used a lot of what I had learned. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I had had so many experiences at the different schools before um, that I kind of knew what to expect, and I knew I knew the right questions to ask. I think was the big thing because if you don't know what to ask, then you don't know what to ask. That's you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, if you can't put into words what you're struggling with and you don't know who to go to to ask for help, then you're stuck. So by then I had figured out kind of um, how to ask for help. And that's, you know, that's something that I'm still kind of um, figuring out as I go along is how to ask for help for certain things. But uh, 
you know, I got over the fear of like talking to my professors about certain things, you know, if I was having a really rough week and I, you know, needed an extra couple of days to finish this assignment, I would, you know, go ahead and reach out to them. And they were actually very responsive and super understanding. I was actually hospitalized, uh, while I was attending that last school. And, um, yeah, I remember emailing my professors from the hospital, letting them know that I was going to be out of class. And this was, um, like towards the end of the spring semester. So it was kind of, it was like crunch time. It was right before finals. So I was kind of panicking because I was going to miss some classes then. And, but they were, you know, they, they got right on it. I emailed a couple of my professors and they, they contacted the appropriate offices and made sure that things were arranged so that I didn't miss any of my exams. Um, I was just, I was, shocked i guess at yeah. how <laughs> how yeah. accommodating they really were wow um, well that's awesome i'm sorry that you ended up hospitalized again but the response yeah. like just sounds like it couldn't have been different you know couldn't have been <laughs> more different um right right so so you got the degree you said in 2014 mm-hmm. yep took you eight years if i calculate yep. that correctly that is and correct. Um, I, I only say that to highlight to, to the listeners, like four years, you know, without, you know, four years straight is, is not the norm anymore. And right. I think it's being perpetuated by, you know, the powers that be. It's like, no, you should not only do you, should you be going to college? You know, you mentioned that it was like, it wasn't even a question. Um, mm-hmm. And that was the way it was for me too. Uh, but you'll be going and, you know, you'll finish in four years if it all, you know, if all breaks right. And I think, you know, right. between the two interviews now, um, you know, that is, is proving not to be the case. So, um, so it definitely also gives you a long time, you know, you said it, your, your mental health issues started uh, before college to, to offer some mm-hmm. perspective on recovery in general, in general. So I'm interested in just in your view of recovery, um, when it, and what does it mean to you? Uh, as you've been able to kind of navigate life? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, that is a really interesting question because I never, um, you know, until I started this job at Rutgers, I never really thought of uh, mental health in terms of recovery. Recovery to me was always, you know, my, my older brother had been through like Alcoholics Anonymous and stuff. And that was, you know, he was however many years clean and sober, that was recovery to me. Mm -hmm. I never, you know, I just figured this is something I've been diagnosed with. I'm stuck with it for life. Pretty much. I figured, you know, I I never thought of it in terms of recovery. So it's been really interesting, that kind of mind shift for me over the last year or so. I guess I, when I think of recovery, you know, And it's true that, at least for me, um, my mental illness, I think, is something that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, You know, I have good good days and bad days, and uh, I've got, you know, I've got a pretty good support network now um, of people that help me through my, my recovery. And... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. 
Well, I, I think the thing that you said that stands out the most to me is like, I'm going to be dealing with this probably for the rest of my life, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, and that mm -hmm. to me really speaks to what I always preach about when I think about recovery, especially when I talk to my like intro to psych rehab students, you know, the ones I've never even thought about, like you said, I never even thought about mental health recovery as recovery. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that it become the illness sort of just becomes a part of you. It's like, this is, you know, who I am. This is what I deal with. And, you know, it, it makes me who I am. You know, it, mm -hmm. if, I, if I didn't have this, I would be somebody else. And I want to be me. You know, I think that there's, I think that that's okay. You know, and, and, and that more people like you telling pe others about that, like myself and, and Stacy, you know, will make it more okay. So mm -hmm. uh, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, yeah. So you were talking about your supports, and you, you mentioned in the beginning of your story the lack of support you had. Um, so I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the supports you've had in your life that have been really sort of the, 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 the game changers, so to speak, for you. Yeah, sure. Well, um, all right. So it's interesting. In the beginning, um, pretty much my only supports were excuse me, um, my parents. But when it was all starting out right after I had been diagnosed, um, you know, they didn't really have a lot of experience dealing with this either. So uh, a lot of times they were more harmful than helpful, I think. Yeah. You know, even though they were doing their best at the time to support me, you know, without the knowledge, they just weren't always doing the right things to support me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but over time they've definitely learned a lot and I've been able to teach them a lot too so that they can be more helpful to me. Um, I've got a couple of really close friends who um, also have, you know, struggled with their mental health. Um, one of them actually the one good thing that came out of that first school I attended, <laughs> I was actually, you know, just like randomly assigned to a roommate in the dorms my first semester. Yeah. And, um, the girl I was assigned with, um, she actually, you know, has mental illness and we were kind of struggling with a lot of the same things, um, at the same time. And we're, we're still friends now. So she's been a really big support to me and she was actually a nursing student so that's been really interesting. She's at, you know, times when I've been struggling with things, she kind of uh, coaches me at times, lets me know, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're yeah. going to get through it. Um, that sort of thing. And um, I have another friend, the one that I uh, moved out to Ohio with. Um, she's been really helpful. Uh, we've helped each other through a lot of uh, mental health issues over the years. And now there's also uh, my fiance who I've um, we've been together for a, over four years now. Um, so I lived with him for a while when I was uh, going to school in Ohio. He's been a really big support to me, you know, helped me through uh, a lot of difficult times. Yeah. I like that you kind of illustrate, I think, what a lot of people seem to have and not realize is is the is the important thing is is the 
it's the depth of quality of friendship you know mm-hmm. it's not how many friends you have but i think it's the fact that you know having a couple of people that are really close is right. what makes the all the difference um you know that what can superficial friends do you know like work acquaintances and whatnot you know, outside of the Department of Psych Rehab, of course. Um, but when you're dealing with something like a hospitalization for, you know, a mental health breakdown, you know, those yeah. people are not the ones that are going to come running, you know, and it is going to be the ones that you said, like the one or two close friends and, you know, your fiance and, you know, family. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, um, that's what it takes and that's all they need. And for other people, they would be dying to have that. So yeah. I can certainly see um, both sides. So one, uh, one question I had, I didn't uh, ask you, but you'd said it something earlier when you were talking, I just want to ask you one or two questions about your, your current position as a research assistant. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it's very interesting. You know, you work on these studies, you're in recovery. And I think that that was like almost like a requirement to get that job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think, got to be kind of cool. So I wonder if you could talk, if you had anything to say about that, like how you came to um, to get the job, uh, any, any interesting thing about that. Um, and when you said um, you, you talk to a lot of college students, you know, you do the interviews with them um, or former, re, you know, recent college students. I was mm-hmm. wondering if you have noticed any trends, you know, anything that kind of you see patterns like, oh, this is something that gets brought up in like every single interview I do or most interviews that I do. Um, That's the kind of stuff I think that interests me. It's just like, what's, you know, what are you hearing? Because I know what I'm hearing and I'm I'm probably the (laughs) same thing. (laughs) So yeah, what's the job like? It's, It's a really awesome, unique job. Um, so after, right after I had graduated with my bachelor's, um, one of my academic advisors had told me, um, you know, if you're considering going to graduate school for psychology, um, looking for jobs in the meantime, something you might want to look at is research assistant jobs. So um, that's what I was, you know, searching for at, you know, Rutgers and a couple other universities in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And I came across this job posting, which... Um, yeah, I mean, in like the description for the job requirements, it said that you must self-identify as, you know, a current or former user of um, mental health services. It was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're not what you expect to read in a job listing, Katie? <laughs> no, no, not I at all. Imagine. Yeah. So, so you inter- did you interview with Michelle? Um, well, yeah, I actually, initially I had a phone interview with Michelle and, you know, I guess she liked the conversation that we had. So they called me in for an in-person interview and it's funny actually, because Michelle was at home on the day that I came in for my in-person interview. Um, this isn't really important to share with everybody, but I, (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. She was home taking care of Sam because he was sick. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> so I didn't actually get to meet Michelle until I started the job a couple months later. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Cause the first one had been over the phone too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so Judy interviewed me in person. Okay. Um, how about, it, uh, how about trends? Anything you've noticed yeah. from talking to so many college students that have struggled in the past 
um, that have some perspective or even, even current ones um, that you've noticed that you may have, you may have noticed yourself or experienced yourself or, or maybe you didn't, maybe it's, uh, you know, some newer trends that are even, um, you know, since you've been out. Yeah. Um, it's hard to narrow it down. There's a lot of things, (laughs) you know, but a lot of people, a really big part of our conversation has been about stigma about mental health. Yeah. And, you know, people, face a lot of barriers in getting help because there's so much stigma out there. Um, people are afraid of like being blacklisted if they disclose that they have a mental health condition. So there's a really, um, it's, it's really complicated. Um, you know, people struggle with, uh, how much information to share with certain people, you know, their professors and their peers and, um, their employers, because, you know, sometimes it's really important that uh, the people close to you know uh, what you're struggling with. But there's also a lot of fear about, you know, you don't want to share too much because you don't know what they're going to think. You don't know if you're going to be discriminated against. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah, I... It gets me so pissed off. I'm sorry. It's just like, because yeah. it, it, it goes back to what you had said in the, and what you had experienced from your professors, you know, in the goddamn psychology program, no less. Yeah. And um, it just, it just gets me so angry. And it's like, this is why I'm having you on the show. It's one of the reasons, <laughs> you know, it's like, this is why I, I'm doing the podcast is because the more we talk about it and the more people come on and just kind of be like, yeah, this is what happens. The more that shit's going to change. And, yes. you know, the, the whole, the, you know, I started thinking about it when you were talking about the experience of when you first rolled up to that school in Ohio and, you know, <laughs> they had your name on the, the parking lot. Like, that is the mindset that, that colleges are going to need in the future because I'm going to get on my little soapbox here. <laughs> but, like, in the future, like, this is speaking to the students out there, you guys won't have to deal with this as much because you'll be out of, the, out of it by then. Um, but small little liberal arts schools, like I think the one you're describing, you know, we didn't even say the name, it's fine, um, are going, are struggling right now to lure students. Um, and it's, I think there's, we've just kind of reached a saturation point. Like there's so many schools and there's so many learning opportunities. And now with the internet, um, you know, it's just, these schools are all struggling, the smaller ones. And mm-hmm. there's going to be large you know, institutional, you know, old schools that are going to go bankrupt in the next 20 years. I can all but guarantee it. And they're go- it's going to force other schools to compete for the students. So they're not going to be able to be assholes to people <laughs> with mental illness if they want them to go to the school. Like, people will vote for their with their feet. And if they're, if things, mm. because, you know, we all have seen the statistics, you know, about the ill, you know, in the prevalence of mental illness on college campuses. Right. And eventually if people get sick enough of it and hear through sharing stories like, oh, this is a really good program. You know, this, this school is really accommodating to people with mental illness. People are going to go there and they're not going to go to the school that, you know, has the shitty services. So right. just, just a, a word to the, all the college administrators out there that might be listening, <laughs> like, wise up like don't you know offer these subpar services because people will go elsewhere and uh it may not be an issue now but it will be an issue in the future so 
Didn't expect to do that there, Katie, but you know, sometimes it has to happen. Sometimes you need to do a little come to Jesus talk. But um It's okay. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. These things need to be said. Yeah. So all right. This has been an awesome interview. I really appreciate having you on today and taking the time after your busy day working to you know come <laughs> home and talk more mental illness. Um, so I wanted to ask one last question, and that's just kind of one I usually ask of guests. Um, is just uh, for advice, you know, any advice you'd give to college students that are out there that may be, have been in, in the shoes that you were in, you know, many years ago, struggling with mental health issues, struggling to achieve their goals right now of, of graduating or whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, from your perspective, both as somebody that has the, the personal experience as well as somebody that's talked to a lot of people in, <laughs> in similar positions, uh, what advice could you give? Oh, boy. This is, this is a really cool question because it's, it's also um, something that we ask um, in the interviews that we do. We actually phrase it as, um, what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself? That's a cool question. Maybe I'll steal it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, I, well, there's a couple of things. Definitely don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, and I, I think as I explained earlier, that's something that I still kind of am figuring out as I go along. But, you know, you, you just can't be afraid to ask for help or to accept help when it's offered to you. You know, I, a lot of times I felt like I should have to, I should be able to figure this out on my own. Um, and I avoided asking people for help and I ended up, you know, failing classes or having to drop out. Um, once I figured out, you know, at least in school, how and when to ask people for help with certain things, everything got much better, <laughs> you know, and it really wasn't that scary. I found out. Mm-hmm. People were very understanding when I was honest with them. Um, and oh, there was something. Oh, about goals. Um, <laughs> about those goals, well. those goal things. Yeah. Yeah. When I, so yeah, when I first started out at college, my goal was to become a psychologist. And, you know, when I hit some roadblocks, very early on, I kind of started to give up on that goal. And then I felt for a while like I was just kind of going through the motions like, well, I started school, so I should finish now. Um, but I didn't really have a really well-defined goal. Um, so it, it – and I didn't have anybody, like, helping me figure it out like you do. <laughs> uh, so have a goal is your have advice. Have a goal. Yeah, have a goal. Goals are very important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to have something to work towards. And eventually my goal was just to graduate. I became hellbent, you know, determined to get my bachelor's degree and finish college. So that worked out pretty well. Yeah. You got there. <laughs> Once I decided on that goal. You got there. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you again for sharing your story. Yeah, sure. Okay. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed conducting it. Really inspiring. 
So in conclusion today, um, here's your home exercise. I'd like you to go and find one of your supports. Katie talked a bunch of, about a bunch of her supports in her life, from her family to a couple of close friends to her fiance. And I've talked about the ones in my life. Um, take a moment this week and thank one of them for the help that they've given you and the support they've provided to you during a tough time. Let them know how much they mean to you. Uh, and, and that's it. You know, it's just a show of gratitude. And I'm sure everybody out there has somebody in their lives that they're grateful for that they haven't taken the time to thank in a while. So um, pretty simple message, uh, pretty simple <coughs> discussion today outside of the, uh, the really inspiring interview. So thanks again to Katie and thank you to you all. Um, so I'll show my gratitude. I, I am going to be thanking somebody in my support network as well this uh, upcoming week. Um, but I did want to take the time to thank you guys. You know, I'm seeing your participation in other ways, you know, through the download of the show. And, um, you know, that is making me, um, you know, encouraging me to continue on and, and see that it is important. And uh, I don't know, I'm on the right track in some way. So with that, this has been Derek with the College Student Success Podcast, wishing you a great week in school and uh, have a good one. Take care. Peace.